0: Hi everybody, welcome to this latest podcast from the Herbert Smith Freehills Pensions Team. I'm Tim Smith, a professional support consultant in the team here at Herbert Smith. I'm joined today by Anna Brain, a research associate at the PPI, and she's the lead researcher on the PPI's UK pension framework. Anna, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me today, Tim. It's great to be here.
0: During the course of this podcast, I'm going to be asking Anna to explain a bit about the framework, the kind of thinking behind it and the impact that it's having since its launch last November. And for those uh, listeners who aren't familiar with the UK Pensions Framework that you've been working on for a number of years now, could you just tell us a bit about uh, what it is um, and kind of the work that that's that's gone into it?
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks for asking. So, the UK Pensions Framework is a new analytical instrument. It helps us to understand the UK pension system by looking at over 40 different indicators. They're all purpose-built indicators that allow us to track and compare changes, risks and behaviours and outcomes in the UK pension system over time. We started designing the framework two years ago, back in 2021. And uh, in 2022, we carried out the first analysis. Our aim overall is to use the, pen- the pensions framework to support long term policy making, And we do that by bringing together all the findings from across the different uh, indicators, the different parts of the, thing of the pension system into a single study that can help us to uh, develop a story of how strengths and weaknesses across the pension system relate to each other and how they're evolving over time. Uh, The scope of the UK Pensions Framework includes both the state and the private pension systems, but it also includes wider factors that affect financial security in later life. Uh, They're things like employment patterns, non-pension savings, means-tested benefits, um, home ownership, and whether people need to give or receive care as they grow older. There's a couple of different uh, ways that we look to use the UK Pensions Framework. Uh, The first is uh, by developing a... um, a, a set of analysis that allows us to understand the changes in the UK pension system and, and how that's taking place over time. And the second is that we can use the UK pensions framework to model or to simulate the potential impact of policy or socioeconomic change. And um, One of the key things that's probably important for me to say is that the in order to to sort of classify how the system's working what we needed to do was we needed to try and understand what it's trying to achieve um and this was no no sort of you know mean feat. it was no small task um there's all sorts of different uh, objectives if you look through the literature in terms of you know what pension systems around the world are looking to do um but we've chosen three which we think are really important um for any pension system but particularly within the context of, of the uk itself and they are adequacy sustainability and fairness so adequacy, looking at the extent to which uh, the income that people have in later life and, and the assets they have available to them, um, allow them to, to maintain their living standards and to meet the needs that they have. Um, sustainability is really looking at the extent to which the system is able to support that on a long-term basis. Um, heavy elements in there are financial sustainability, but we also look at things like system stability, system design, um, and sort of wider, broader factors around uh, demographic change and, and other, um, other influences, really, that. Sort compete in terms of policy objectives with the pension system. Fairness was a really interesting one, because when you look at adequacy and sustainability, uh, they they really are very much the the trade-offs, the the two trade-offs that exist within any pension system, um, you know, given the the finite nature of resources that are available. And when you think about the extent to which a pension system is able to balance the trade-offs between adequacy and sustainability, the extent to which it It's able to do so is often determined by people uh, when we think about whether or not the outcome is fair. And that's why we thought fairness was a really important factor to bring into the UK Pensions Framework, was really looking at and trying to understand how the system works from different perspectives and different groups, different population groups, recognising the differences that exist across society as a whole.
0: Great. So, I mean, clearly a huge amount of work and thinking has gone into this project. You launched it last November. What's the response been and and what impact are you seeing it have in terms of the system and how people are using
1: it? So we have had a hugely positive response um, to the framework with real energy and support that we've seen from across all corners of the pensions industry. Predominantly, what people like about it is that it allows us to look holistically across the pension system and to understand not just how different parts of it are working independently but also how they're interacting and that allows us then to understand where there are trade-offs between different parts of the system some of which might be intended consequences some of which might be unintended consequences of policy decisions that take place so this ability to to use the framework you know to really raise that sort of policy debate and conversation around where the pension system is going has been really well received In terms of impact, it's gaining really wide recognition across the industry as a tool that can help to inform policy debate, but also with policymakers themselves. And we engage on a regular basis with government departments and policymakers, as well as consumer organizations and, and the financial services industry. And the project itself is sponsored by Aviva. And it's a multi-year project that we're looking to, to carry forwards into the future and really to continue doing this and build the UK Frenchness Framework into the debate on a long-term basis in the hopes that it will ultimately become a recognised and a reliable source of evidence that can help to inform longer-term policy decisions.
0: Yeah, and one, one of the things you, that was clear when you launched the framework was that you, you I mean, you, you had a number of ideas for how it was going to develop and evolve. So what's been happening since the launch? What's happening now? What are you working on? And can you give us any insights into what we might expect in in this year's report?
1: Yes. So this year is really exciting. So what we're doing this year is we are using the framework to carry out a uh, a simulation, so a policy simulation. Essentially, what we're doing is we're creating a what-if scenario. Um, so we're adjusting some of the data that we put into the framework to say what would the pension system look like or what would the outcomes look like under a different set of circumstances. Now, to choose that set of circumstances, we reflected on the findings from our 2022 report, and um, in that, we highlighted a number of different areas for concern. Uh, they were things like uh, employment patterns, economic inactivity in later life, for example, income inequality, various different policy proposals in terms of, of changes to the pension system. But the one that we have found, I think, is one of the fastest growing trends that we saw amongst people approaching retirement is the fall in home ownership. And what we are looking to do this year, we are simulating the fall in home ownership that we see among 45 to 65-year-olds today compared to people over 65. We're going to project that forwards and say, what will happen to these people when they reach retirement in the next 20 years? What would things look like from an adequacy perspective? Who's most impacted by that? And this is really important because, you know, so far our results are showing that, you know, there's, there's more than a million additional households who will reach retirement as renters. Um, the majority of those, and the greatest increase is going to be in private renting. You know, assuming that there's no changes to, to social housing policy, and you know, people will find it incredibly difficult to be able to to save enough into their pension. Already adequacy in, is a challenge for many people to meet the needs that they are going to have in retirement. But when you add the cost of renting on top of that, you know, there are real concerns ahead. And it's an area that that hasn't been um, hasn't been widely explored. This connection between home ownership and retirement outcomes. And much of that reflects the differences that you see between the older generation today and those who will be re- reaching retirement in the future and the different profile of people within them but also the different resources that they'll have available once they do uh, them once they reach um, later life
0: mm. and obviously since the um the launch of the framework a, a lot's changed a lot's moved on as you would expect um we're still facing a number of economic challenges and we've also seen a lot of change in terms of pensions policy uh, on both tax, so things like the lifetime allowance being abolished, changes to the annual allowance. Um, there's things like the Private Members Bill going through Parliament that might extend auto enrolment. So how are these? How, how do you see these things kind of feeding into the framework, and what impact do you think they might have on on the kind of baseline results that you you released last year?
1: That's a great question. So, um, so, so, lots of these um, changes are are really going to be very significant and affect quite a number of people. Others will be will affect a smaller number of people, but those who need a considerable amount of of, of help. And I think what we see in the framework is again, you really start to see some of these trade offs and some of these sort of offsets coming through. So, for example, you know, the the AE reforms um, are very much needed to help low earners um, to increase their um, their pension savings. Um, so that would you know if we were looking at it through the lens of the framework, I think what you would expect to see there would be an improvement in the fairness, um, the fairness group, uh, because you would be having uh, sort of greater coverage uh, as well as greater levels of contributions from from some of those at-risk groups. But that's sort of potentially offset slightly by some of the changes that we saw to the allowances, you know, where, where there was a different group that benefited from that. Overall as well, I think that uh, one of the things that we found is that when you look at the system as a whole to make a difference you have to have a really really significant policy change and that's not to say that you know smaller population groups shouldn't be um shouldn't be the focus of policy change because there are a number of at-risk groups um you know single households, single pensioner households for example remain the most at risk group you know across the the population particularly single women you know we really need to have policies that start to you know narrow these gaps but ultimately, to make changes that really affect the the overall system where you'd start to see big changes in across the framework they have to be large scale changes and that also means that a lot of them need to be longer term changes as well um so you know i know it's it's, it's something that people talk about a lot but but you know Within the pension system, you know, people people begin their pension saving journey, you know, early working life, you know, and and they need to have this stability and, and trust and understanding of, of where they might see themselves in the future, recognising, of course, that we're going through demographic change and, and economic change, you know, that the system has to respond to along the way. Um, so I think those are our sort of key findings, you know, that, that's what we would expect to see in the framework is that, you know, where there was a benefit to one group, you know, you would potentially see impacts elsewhere.
0: It's interesting what you say about the long term kind of implications and and the need for long term change and stability, really, around some of these areas. Um, And clearly, there's constant calls for a kind of renewal of that kind of long term consensus around around UK pensions. With with that in mind, we're obviously kind of gearing up for the next election. We're moving into the kind of next election cycle. Um, What are some of the key points you think the various political parties could take from the framework and the work that you've been doing, and the analysis that you and your team have undertaken so far.
1: Yes, yeah, so I think I would probably answer that with three key points. Um, the first is that you know we would really encourage policymakers to look at the whole pension system, and um, not just at individual parts of it. You know that there are solutions that are needed to tackle you know challenges in specific parts of the system. But overall, we need to look at those as a whole and understand what it's, you know, how it's changing um, the, the makeup of the system and, and how it is changing the, the experience that people have within that. Um, Within there as well, I think there's also we need a consensus between government departments as to what the pension system is trying to achieve and and what the support it needs from across different groups to do that. Because you know not all you know challenges that people face in later life can be solved by pensions. You know it needs to have um, support and 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 input from other areas as well, labour markets right from you know the very beginning in terms of you know the the work that people have that you know what they're able to earn and and therefore the, the contributions they can make for their savings. Um, housing, as we're looking at in the home ownership uh, report this year. um, Health and social care is another hugely important area. So the interactions across these areas are absolutely crucial to the longer term success of the system. So that would be our first, you know, our first um. Our first piece. Secondly, we would encourage people to look at the journey that people have throughout their pension savings. So again, that is from the beginning of their working life to the end of their life and, and the experience that they have along the way. You know, at the moment we have automatic enrollment, which has made a huge difference to the number of people who are saving into pensions, but we're obviously seeing, you know, high rates of undersaving where people, you know, are not necessarily able to make decisions around how much they're saving or not necessarily able to make those contributions during their working life but then at the same time when they're reaching retirement the experience that they have you know through the decumulation phase is con- be completely different to how it would have been in the past and people are going to be faced with very different decisions that need a uh, a very different degree of preparation and planning sort of ahead of them so really looking um looking at that 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 lifetime journey that people have through pensions and understanding from the individual's perspective the choices that they have to make along the way people do have to make choices you know at, at different times around how they're going to spend their money and how they're going to save their money so understanding those interactions understanding that longer term path and, and supporting people you know all the way from through from the beginning to end um, and lastly um it really is about long-term policy making and 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 about having this renewal of consensus um from a political perspective because you know, people need to trust the system, especially if we're going to ask people to put more into it. If, if adequacy is is becoming a greater and greater problem, you know, and and for, for them to have trust in the system, there needs to be a degree of stability, um, and and there needs to be a degree of consensus. So no matter. Uh, where a policy has been proposed from or which party is proposing a policy, having a longer term view means that it will have a greater chance of becoming embedded in the system, not changing, which again creates a difficult environment for people and it it, it undermines the, the confidence that they'll have in being able to predict their outcomes in later life. So those would be the three that we would focus on.
0: Well, let's hope that the... Uh... People drafting the various manifestos are listening. Because uh, I think there's some really important points there, particularly as we're seeing certain elements of the pension system become increasingly politicized. Mm. So so really important. And and for people waiting for your next report, what when when can they expect it to drop?
1: Yes. So um we are publishing the next report on November thirtieth this year. Um, So we've already finished the modelling work, really great results, very interesting. And again, we'll be looking to bring those together in in terms of policy implications, uh, focusing on pensions, but also with those interactions with other policy areas. If anybody would like, um, you can download the 2022 framework report from the Pensions Policy Institute website. Um, You can also download the 2021 report, which talks about how we designed the framework. So if anybody's interested in sort of what went into it, that's all in the 2021 report and all of the findings are in 2022. That's there on the website. Please do um, sign up to the mailing list that we have on the website. Um, We're publishing research all the time. We've got some other really, really interesting projects this year around engagement, around CDC um, and around accumulation. Um, They'll be coming out again within the second half of this year. So, any comment, any questions at all? Please feel free to get in touch, um, and uh, we're looking forward to sharing the results as they come.
0: Well, fascinating to hear the, all the work that's going on, and uh, certainly when I was at the launch last last year, it was great to see that kind of big picture overview of of what's going on within the system, but also how, how it all interacts together. I think that's a really important part of the framework. And we'll include some of the links that you've just mentioned in the description to the podcast. So Anna, thanks so much for joining me. And thanks to everyone who's listened. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thanks very much.